at some point, like we we stood outside and we heard like it's just really quiet, like this eerie kind of quiet. And and we heard gunshots, but we didn't imagine that the gunshots could possibly be anywhere near here. This terrorist walking all over the streets. They they took over the police station. And in the beginning, it was just like this is impossible. I mean, it just it can't be. Like in nobody's worst nightmare were we able to even think of such a thing. They were literally at some point also in our backyard. Welcome everybody. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. I'm Hannah Weisberg, host of this podcast. Joining me today is Sivya Pizim, all the way from Steyrot, Israel. Thank you so much for joining us, Sivya. I know it was hard to get you, <laughs> and, and I'm really grateful that you joined. So thank Thanks, you. Thank you. Um, okay, so all of us here are probably wondering, what is it like right now in Steyrot? Can you tell us a little about your situation? But before you even get to your situation, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in Steyrot? Yes. Um, so I'm a real broken girl. Grew up in Crown Heights. Yeah, I was waiting for the accent and there was no accent. <laughs> and um, I married an Israeli boy. And yeah. uh, we decided to move on to in Israel. His older brother, um, Rabbi Zedvi Pizem, and his wife, Sima, are the Shlothavnyan. And they had asked us to come out and join them, um, Shlothavn, to do outreach work. Right. And we decided, sure, why not? It was a quiet little town where even Israelis didn't know where Sterot was on the map. Oh, wow. Uh, yes, we moved how, here how long 23 ago? years ago. 23 years 23 ago. years ago, we moved here. Wow. So you um, moved to a, a quiet little town that didn't have any rockets coming down on it, but just was a nice little town that you were doing your shlichus work in. Correct. We just moved to a nice little southern town. <laughs> um, very how, nice. How far is it from Gaza? Uh, we're one ear kilometer away. Whoa. Okay. okay. Quite close. And then when did things start happening differently in Steyrot? So it actually started half a year after we moved here. Wow. The first uh, rocket landed right behind where I lived. Oh, wow. And um, that's when it started. It was very, you know, it was once in a while. It wasn't something people understood yet exactly what it is. Um, it used to be very random. And then... There was, it started getting more intense as the years went on, you know, became something that was part of our lives, something we knew we had to get used to. And the government also did things to real, realizing that this is what life is like. So they did things to kind of help us. We had, uh, we started having an alarm system. Um, mm -hmm. Eventually we had the Iron Dome mm -hmm. that came years later. Mm -hmm. But um, so we had, you know, we just kept getting worse as the years went. So went what, on. What what is it like to live in a place that you are constantly under a barrage of rockets? I mean, all these years. So to us, it's normal, mm -hmm. which is is quite sad actually, because mm -hmm. uh, you know sometimes my family says you realize your kids are not the same as all the other kids. Like wow. they're very different. They grew up differently. Once my, we were in New York, my son, he was three, he was standing outside with my father and it was thundering. 
And he asked my father, oh, missiles fall here also? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow. To him, concept, that noise is a missile. This is right. different right. understandings, ways of thinking. You know, every time you walk out of the house, you think about, you know, if I'm walking here, where can I go? Mm -hmm. uh, our houses are usually open and the roads, doors are open so that if you need to run into somebody's house, you can. Mm -hmm. And it's happened more than once. We've had people run into our home. We cut it from our family running into people's homes. Wow. It's it's a very sad reality. It's it's a reality that's just exists. Wow. You know, something that if you don't live it, you it's very, very hard to understand it. Did you did you ever think of leaving? No. We're no. here, you know, on Shlafas, on the Ram Shlafas. We're not planning on going anywhere. We also usually don't leave when there are missiles. Wow. Um and that also started many, many years ago. I would say about 18 years ago, um, the Iron Dome wasn't exist, didn't exist yet. And it was a time that was really, there were just hundreds, hundreds landing a day. And many people in the city were leaving. Hmm. And we were debating, we had three little kids, and we were debating, you know, what, what do we need to do? Like, what's the right thing to do? Sure. So as... So sitting with the rabbi, we wrote into the Igros Kodesh. Igros Kodesh are a set of books where the rabbi has written letters to people throughout the years. And now that we can't actually write to the rabbi, we can write and open it and try to see if we can understand something that's relevant to us. Right, sure. And, get, uh, get some guidance for our own lives. Get some guidance, exactly. Right. So we did, and um, we got a beautiful answer where it said, uh, and you'll help you translate, right? that Hashem is always watching and protecting us. That wow. Was, that God that never was... slumbers or rests. He's always watching. Wow. Correct. So, so... We, we stay put. And uh, we've seen lots of miracles with that staying put. Really? And like I... like what kind of miracles? With the staying put and with the leading. I mean, we... We've missile have hit our house, uh, surrounding our house a lot, where we wow. live on uh, our streets. We had, just 14, 15, 15 years ago, we had a missile land on one side of our house, on the side of the bedrooms. And like I said, we're always here. And it wow. was uh, the day, it was the end of Hanukkah after we finished doing everything every Chabad house does for Hanukkah. And the last day of Hanukkah, we usually went to Jerusalem to a friend of ours to celebrate with her. She was a widow. And uh, so we went. And then the next day, we were informed that basically there are no schools open because it started becoming kind of a war again. Mm -hmm. So we said, you know what? We won't go back. And I was studying that year in Kfarchabad to... Um, to teach cars, to teach brides, that was mm -hmm. I was learning. And so that's what we did. We said, you know, we'll all drive to Krakowad, I'll learn, and then we'll all go home. And we did. I went to study, and while I was studying, I got a phone call that a missile hit our home. Your home, wow. And this wow. is this is 15 years ago, you said? Correct. About, wow, incredible. I, I mean, I remember when my older children were in a seminary in Israel, and one of them told me after Shabbat that they went to visit Sterot. <laughs> I said, thank you for not telling me, you know, before I would have been so scared. So I, I'm just wondering how you live with that fear and that the... I'm guessing she was by me. 
<laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I've remember I was so grateful through. like I was so grateful to hear about it afterwards not because I wouldn't have like it would have been just so such a difficult such a worry for a mother to hear that and yet you're living with that and then I think it's more difficult to be on your end in other mm. words I think because we're living it we're part of it we you know it's just it's here as right. opposed to you know being across the ocean and just hearing whatever you know the radio is telling you like whatever news you're getting, it's it's a right. bit more scary, I think. Wow. Than um than actually than being there. here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so that was then. Now the situation is there's rockets everywhere. I mean, the situation completely changed after what what where were you on October seventh in in terms of the whole war that started? Okay. So we um with Sam Pastor, we were actually home in Stirot. Mm-hmm. And uh, to give you a little bit of background, about 10 years ago, my husband started doing outreach in the kibbutzim. Mm-hmm. So there were 10 kibbutzim that are considered Shah Negev. And uh, we started doing outreach in this kibbutzim. I personally teach in their school. I'm an English teacher in their school. In which school? And in this? In these? In Shah Negev. Oh, the Ashar-Negev. kibbutzim. In other words, okay. it's 10 kibbutzim. They all come together. The school is in one uh, kind of like a campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my husband does outreach program. There's one kibbutz right across from Zderot. It's called Neil Ham. Mm-hmm. And he started doing their uh, services on Friday night. The people there asked him, and he started coming. Now, for Simfasaran, so they, in the beginning, the plan was that he's going to come during the day and that they were going to have you know, prayers and hakapos to dance with the Torah. And when he drove there on Friday to drop off all the things that they should have for tomorrow, the, you know, food, and they said to him, you know what, Rabbi, we want to do tonight also. Mm-hmm. So he called me up and said, okay, I'm just staying in the kibbutz. It's like an hour walk from our house. Mm-hmm. And he did. He stayed there Friday night and they did hakapos, uh, they prayed and, and they danced with the Torah. And then they were deciding what to do about, to, you know, the next, like, the next day. day. Right. So they said that they wanted to do it really, really early. So my husband said, look, really early, I can't come. I mean, it's an hour walk. And sure. So that was the decision that he's not coming and they're going to do it really early in the morning, mm-hmm. which ended up being a really big miracle because wow. if he would have walked there um, during the day, I mean, that was the whole walk. There were terrorists along the whole world. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. So sh- just got shells. Oh my gosh. What a miracle. Yeah. So we woke up at 6.30 like everyone else in East Country with hundreds and hundreds of missiles. And to us, I mean, like I told you, it's 22 years away. It's nothing new. Like, okay, yeah. you know, there are missiles. Stay inside. Go to the bomb shelter. You know, the regular. So you thought it was just regular. Nothing nothing out of the exactly. ordinary of what right. you've been experiencing we... for the last many years. Correct. We just thought, okay, you know, again, and it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't ending. And at some point, like we, we stood outside and the current, like, it's just really quiet, like this eerie kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And, and we heard gunshots, but we had not imagine that the gunshots could possibly be anywhere near here. Mm-hmm. And we, we were showing that maybe because it's so quiet, we're hearing meat from the border. Oh. Now the police station, which I'm sure you've heard about, and I'll tell you about soon. Is is two minutes walk one direction, and the Chabad house is the other direction. 
So we're kind of in the middle. So we were basically hearing what was going on in the police station, but we didn't actually know it until later on. You mean when the, that the terrorists got the got to the police station? Correct. The terrorists uh. got to the police station. They took over. Our, uh, they killed many of our cops, and um, it was a, it was a war. Just oh. just the police station itself was a war. And um, it, it kind of like it started like in it got already like ten o'clock, and we said, you know what, we have to go because there's probably not a lot of people who are going to come, and so we need to make sure that we go. You have to go so, where? Where Where were you going to go? To the Chabad house. To the Chabad house. Okay. Wow. Because we didn't really know any different. Now, wow. some people already knew, and our, our phone was actually ringing, but, you know, we didn't think for a second that we were sure it's just a mistake. Sure. Why should I answer? Right. So everyone who was here, which is my parents, Yassi and Zahaba Brooke, they live next to us now, and wow. my husband and I, my married son and his wife, and four kids who were home, we all walked to the Chabad. And now together, we'll have walked through the stages because we said, you know, the missile shouldn't catch all of us on the street. Mm-hmm. Because it's very hard for, you know, so many people to like duck and run down. So we've kind of went in, in like stages. Right. One person went, the next person went. And um, I was the last one to come, me, my mother, my daughter, and my baby. And, you know, when we got to the Chabad house, they're like, first of all, it was locked. Understand why on earth would the door be locked? I mean, it's a Chabad house. Like, it's, it's never locked. And, you know, they asked, who is it? And we said, it's us. And they opened it. When we got inside, people started telling us, you know, what's going on on the streets. They're like, there are terrorists. And we're like, seriously? Like, you know, what? No. Everything okay? Like, everybody's okay? Like, no, seriously. Like, we... This terrorist walking all over the streets. They, they took over the police station. In the beginning, it was just like, it's impossible. I mean, it just it can't be. Like, in nobody's worst nightmare mm-hmm. were we able to even think of such a thing. And then we started hearing, you know, what happened in the party and what's going so, on. And this was really like two minutes away from the police station, you said, or just a few minutes away that you were. Right. So they were just right right there, right in your backyard. I mean, basically, almost. Oh, they were not almost. They were literally at some point also in our backyard. Wow, wow. Yeah. They well, were really just everywhere. Well, what what a miracle also that you were able to walk to your Chabad house unharmed, all of you. We we, we had a lot of miracles. Wow. We, we really did. That was, I mean, that was a real miracle because they, they really weren't far from us. We also right. found out like they were on the streets adjacent to us. They, they were everywhere. Crazy. And they wow. were kind of gearing for um, for synagogues, mm-hmm. yeah, because they knew that people were in the synagogue, and um, we know that there are also lots of people who were either going to synagogue, coming out that were sure. killed. Sure, wow. That were. So you stayed there. You stayed there the whole day. So yes, yeah. Once we got there, we understood that we shouldn't be going anywhere, and we stayed there locked in. And there happened to have been 10 men, so we were actually able to pray and, and dance. And But we, we stayed there, and slowly we started hearing things. Uh, the army came, so they were already outside the building. Um, you know, but we kind of just, whatever we heard, we didn't really understand yet the extent of what was going on. Right. And how horrific it was. The first thing that really he had called was when we heard that Ophir Lichtstein was killed. He is the head, kind of like the mayor 
of of the kibbutzim. Mm-hmm. I have these good friend of my husband's, mm-hmm. and when we right that like touched home. That was like sure. wait, like we know him. Wow, um, his son is actually my student. I one of I'm my so students. Sorry, and uh, you know that was like uh, okay, wait, this is real. And uh, yeah, so we stayed there locked in, and um, after after the Shabbat went out, we still stayed there for like uh, over an hour, like an hour, an hour and a half, till uh, the army was outside, and they told us that we can uh, drive home. Uh, we should drive without our lights on, mm-hmm. and we basically put everyone into one car and mm-hmm. and drove as fast as we can. I mean, only very far. Sure. And when we got home and we, you know, we turned on our phones, we finally, we had like hundreds of messages from people who were trying to reach us that they were sure that if we're not answering, then that right. we're probably not a lot. Oh, wow. Because what was going on in the, was that they were saying people who walked synagogue were killed. And sure. so th- that people put two and two together and wow. that's just what they assume. Uh, at that point, I just tried really, really hard to be with my kids. Um, to detach completely from radio news and everything like that. I said, I told everyone who was in the house, we already, we heard enough. We know that it's bad. And um, we decided that we're all going to stay in my parents. My parents live like in my yard. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in America, you would call it a guest house. Right. So they live right near me. We decided we'll all stay together by then. Uh, they have less windows than we do. So mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. glass shatters, then and we said, let's all be together. And so we were, we were in the house with doors closed, windows closed, shades closed, what, lights what were, off. What were you feeling? What were you feeling at that time? I'm not sure I was feeling anything. You to just tell had you the to truth. keep going. I, 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 just, right. I just kept going. I just tried keeping my kid sane and, sure. you know, as much as possible just to sit next to them and, and be with them. And, you know, when they couldn't fall can, asleep. Can I ask you how many children you have? What ages? Yes. I have 10 kids. Wow. Wow. Um, my eldest is turning 24. I have a 22-year-old son, a 20-year-old son who's married, and 19-year-old son, 16, a 14-and-a-half-year-old daughter, who she was home with us, a 12-and-a-half-year-old son, he was home with us. Um, she does 11. She was with us. Hannah's five was with us, and I have an 11-month-old baby. Oh, wow. Wow. So... Uh, so yeah, you're, so eleven month old till your fourteen year old year old were home with you. Correct, wow. correct. And you know, we're just trying to keep some kind of uh, to keep them relaxed because they've already heard things. You I'm know, sure. uh, when we were enough about us, how much I was trying to say, you know, just people don't talk next to the kids didn't right. really help a lot. Right. Um, and, you know, when, when like the older ones are saying that they can't fall asleep, it's like, I could just sit down and, and say, tell them, open the Psalms and just start. So there's nothing else we can do. There was just nothing to do. And we had to be quiet because we were told that terrorists are walking around outside. Mm-hmm. So we should make sure that everything is closed. So they shouldn't know that there's anybody walking around. It was quite horrific. I I'm mean, sure. it was, I'm it sure. was like living with this, I mean, like any noise was like, oh, is it somebody like is somebody touching the door, somebody touching the windows? Wow, what it fear. Was, sure. It really was. And then um, I, I don't think I slept very much that night. And I also had kids in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we tried to, I, and sisters in New York, 
and family, and we try to figure out a way to tell them that we're alive. Mm. So um, one of the people who works with my sister is not Jewish, so we called him. Mm. And we're like, hi, it's, it's you know, it's her parents. She's like, oh, you're alive. Oh, wow. like, yes, and they, please, you know, we, we, we realized that obviously he already heard it, knew. Sure. And, uh, and we told him, you know, please tell anybody you see, if you see the kids, if you see, you know, my sister or my brother, anybody, just tell them you heard from us and, and we're alive. Because it was already, it was still the holidays for them because it's in Chutz Laaretz, it's outside of Israel. So they have another day of, of the holidays. Exactly. So they exactly. couldn't answer the phone, but this way they at least, they, they knew what was happening, but they, and, and they, they must have been terribly worried about you. Uh, they were. My, yeah. my son said that, uh, he says, this is what we heard. We heard that terrorists came to Zderot, mm-hmm. they attacked the police station, and they killed everyone who went to synagogue. Oh, They're wow. like, we did it. What's in the pleasant picture in our head? Of course. Oh, you know? It's terrible. So, um. That was um, really so that hard was so that was that night. What happened after? Like since then? So Sunday morning again, we were told you know to stay inside and everything, and then the electricity went. Now we're talking about besides for the terrorists, there are also missiles nonstop. I mean, mm-hmm. just literally hundreds, hundreds an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them hit the electricity, so mm-hmm. now we were also inside, locked in without electricity, and. Um, by Monday, uh, they started saying that people can go. Like, th- they were safe. They didn't make it official. Um, it only became official, like, Monday afternoon, where they told people you could leave your bomb shelters and and go. Um, there were people literally locked in their bomb shelters for 52 hours. Wow. Yeah. They, they, they said they heard terrorists. They knew they were terrorists in their buildings. They, they locked themselves in the bomb shelters. And they didn't leave for 52 hours. I mean, we have friends and, and they had no, you know, no cell service in the on shelter. And we tried calling, calling. We were sure that we right. wouldn't hear from them again. Right. Wow. Um, so we were, we were relatively okay uh, as much as you can be. And, um, and of course, by then we already started hearing what was going on and, and mm-hmm. the atrocities that were going on and what happened by the party and in the kibbutzim. It was just, yeah, you know, every time you heard something, it was horrific. Every time you heard something, it was just too much all over again. Sure. And um, by by Monday, um, my mother was like, I-, I think we need to go. Mm. She's like, I know you never leave, but I really think, you know, this is something else. Sure. So You we mean leave back- Yes. Yes. So we went back to the same thing we did 18 years ago, and we wrote into the it was Kodesh and mm-hmm. we got two things. My mother got an answer to do to make a Sudas Hadav, which is a celebration feast of gratitude <laughs> after yeah. like usually something that you are celebrating, like a feast Correct. Of usually it's after something, you know, a miraculous event then. or a happy event. Right. So that was her answer. And we got something really interesting that we should ask the rabbi. Mm-hmm. So my husband asked his brother and um, his brother said that the women and children should leave. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, that's what we need to do now. So we're picking up and we're leaving. So, you know, I, I looked around the house and it was like, I said, I'm not sure if I feel like the people from the Ukraine or the people from the Holocaust that, you know, looked around and thought, well, what, what am I taking? Am I coming back here again? Of course. Wow. Just, like, <laughs> like a refugee just running, right? Literally. Yeah. And like, what's going to fit in the car with all the people? 
just these wow. really, you know, just like basic, just take the few things that I can and, and let's go. We went to, um, I had just bought an electric car. So I was just getting used to the fact that, you know, you need to recharge the car. Like I said, there was no electricity. So, um, we said, okay, let's drive to the nearest, to the closest, safest place there is. Mm -hmm. So we got into the car and, um, I'm going to try to give you a picture of what it means to drive in a car with our missiles flying. So first of all, no one's wearing a seatbelt. Baby's not in the car seat. Um, every older person is holding a younger person. Like my mother was holding my baby and my 14 year old was holding my five year old. This way, if you need to get out of the car, as fast we as have you 15 can. seconds. We have wow. 15 seconds. Wow. Uh, try doing, wow. Try thinking about what you do with 15 sure. seconds. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, wow. even, it, it's even less today, but so you don't really have time to start opening your seatbelt and, and, you know, taking the baby out of the car. So you don't talk for that. Of course. So wow. we're, Okay, we're leaving. It's a little bit after four o'clock in the afternoon. And we drove to a place called Bet Kama. That is, it's a kibbutz and it's an electric charger. And it's the closest place that was considered safe. How far was that from you, from Stira? About 20, 20 coming to drive. Really? So close. And, and that was safe? Yeah. It just wow. means we're going further out right. away from the border. That's right. right. So that was considered safe. And uh, when we got there, I said we experienced the what it means to be part of our nation. Uh, it was just unbelievable. First of all, there were people standing there and waiting and asking what can they help with. Like there were hundreds of people there and whatever you can possibly think of, baby food, diapers, games, toys, shampoo, like everything you can think of that you didn't think of when you ran out of your house, wow. they had there. Cause that was like the first place people were able to stop. They were giving out to people. There was food, anything. They're just, you know, what can we do to help? And, um, and then this really nice person saw that I was looking for an electric charger. He said, come to my house. And I charged in his house and they were just really unbelievable. Um, so beautiful. The, the, the love that you saw as being part of the Jewish nation was just it was beautiful i don't believe there's another word we we keep hearing this but it's just so heartwarming to hear it each time it's just so beautiful to hear you know the 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 generosity of people that just and they're also going through you know a lot it's not people who are in comfort i mean they've a lot of people i mean everyone's related or know someone who's related so everyone's going through this there's a war going on everyone's going through this hardship but yet there's such so, so, so many open hearts. That's so beautiful. It really is. And, and we, we really experienced it. It was just amazing. Wow. I mean, wow. we kept experiencing it again and again and again. Wow. It was just really, I mean, I don't think there's another word aside from beautiful. Right. It was right. during this horrific time to see this love, no matter, I mean, and they were from all walks of life. Yeah. I mean, literally, you know, what so, two days ago, we didn't agree with each other at all. It didn't really matter right now. Right. We were, right. were all the same. Wow. And that was something that was really unbelievable. So did, when, did you stay there? Is that where you So you no, we were on, no, we were on the way to Jerusalem. Oh, and, okay. um, but when we got to Beit Kamar, I got a phone call from my husband 
telling me that they had just caught two terrorists right outside my house. Oh my gosh. How did you Literally. feel about leaving your husband and the and your and your boys? Like how how did that feel? No, my husband and my father. Your husband and I your father. My wow. My wow. Son. Okay. But even, um, even so, how did you feel about that? Um I I knew that that was the right thing to do. Just like the, the right thing to do was for me to go with the kids. That was the right thing to do. That's what we do. Chabad. We need to stay to help whatever we can. And that's what needed to be done now. My job now was to be with the kids and make sure they were okay. And his job was to stay and, and see what he can do for the people who are still here to help them whatever way they can. I mean, there were people still stuck in their houses. People who, who called the Chabad house saying, we don't have baby food. Oh. You know, we're stuck. Right. So they went out and tried to help, but there are no stores. There's nothing available. Sure. Uh, the Chabad house wow. became like a food bank. For wow. about two months after, really, um, it, it it really was something like unbelievable. So we celebrated another miracle that we were in home when they caught wow. two terrorists right outside our house. So it was Monday. We finally got to Jerusalem. It just been long, three days, and we went to family. And the next morning, we woke up, and our wake up call was your house was hit by a missile. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Yes. Completely so we like completely hit, completely destroyed. Completely hit. Oh wow. Was was where was your husband then? I so my husband and my father were in my parents' house oh, and parents they went house. into the bond shelter. So right next door. Then, wow. Yes. And they they they're like, okay, the whole house shook. Wow. So after that they went up to see, you know, they're like and they went up and taking a video. They're like, Oh, yep. Definitely landed here. Like wow. it's really big hole in the wall, and wow. um, uh, the entire the kitchen, the living room, everything is uh, destroyed. But right. we just kept celebrating the fact that you know all these miracles that we had left the night before, and uh, you know wow. it's a house. I mean, every time I start getting frustrated that I need to you know fix it, I say, well, you know what? It's a house. Mm -hmm. I've lost students, I lost teachers, I lost friends, so it's a house. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's not a pleasant or a... Right, not pleasant. What an attitude, though, yeah. Yeah, but it, it probably is. Like, a, every time... Probably a lot of memories in there also. Yeah, so we were able to take out some of the things. Right, wow. Uh, but uh, it is, but I think that's the only way we can look at it. Right. Because, you know, every time I start to, like, think, oh, my house, I think, well, you know, I, I can think of at least 30 names that of people that right. I personally know that were killed, murdered. Right. So... That okay, it's a house. Definitely, I can puts build. It in, definitely puts it in perspective. Definitely sure. does. Oh, right. yes, definitely, it definitely does. And so that was um, Tuesday. Then we um, stayed on in Jerusalem. And like I told you, just unbelievable people from Amistral, a uh, lovely couple, lives in England. They gave us their house. They have a house in central Jerusalem. And they gave us their house. And we've been there. That's and where you um, are right now. Well, we've been there. Wow. And it, it's um, really unbelievable because, I mean, we're talking about a really nice house and a couple that uses it as a vacation home. And they allowed a family with kids to come in. I was like, you know, I have kids, right? Like, it's not going to be here. Right. So special. And they're just really unbelievable. Like, and they call me every week. How are you doing? And do you need anything? Is everything okay? Like, before uh, Parshas Noah, when we read in the Torah about Noah's Ark, so she called me up and she's like, listen, 
in the third closet in this and this room, there's we have a toy, the Noah's Ark. Take it out <gasps> so your daughter can play with it. So I, sweet. Really, just these these small little things, you know, or yeah. her nephew came to give us the pee. He calls me up and said, like, I'm in the supermarket. What do you need? Wow. So special. Really, really is. So yeah, we've been here. It's still really hard. It's still a war. What is um, it I'm, what is it like for your family to be I mean it's you're in a nice beautiful place, thank God, but it must be still hard to be displaced. Away from home, away from school, away from everything. It is. It's it's really a, a, a difficult place to be in. You know, you just one home. And every time I say that, people say you still don't have all. Right. But even when right. we do go home, right. I still have to get mine fixed. Right. Um, sure. So we've been back and forth to Zero a few times. My husband has been here a lot. I mean, he used to stay there like the whole week and then just come join us for Shabbat. Shabbat, wow. Um, and we've been to Zero a few times. It's it's very, very, very loud here. It's like you really feel a war. I mean, you hear the IDF bombing Gaza. We hear that. Everything is shaky. Um, unfortunately, we, we hear the airplanes. Unfortunately, we hear the helicopters, which helicopters usually means that they're taking out injured. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's hard, you know, mm. everywhere you go, you see the army, you see, you know, the soldiers and you see the jeeps and the, and it's just really a war here. Wow. And it's also really empty because this, everyone here is. Have people out. left? Have people left stare out? Everyone, the, the government took everyone out. Everyone out. So your husband yeah. is, is still, he's not there anymore. He's with you in. He in is. Your... No, no, he's still there because not everybody left. Oh. Basically, you were able to, uh, as a citizen of Stirot, you got the choice to leave. Right. Um, and you were able to leave to go to a hotel. Mm-hmm. And it's it's paid by the government. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of hotels around Jerusalem, the Dead Sea, Eilat, Tel Aviv, that have the citizens there. That's mm-hmm. the citizens from Stirot. It's the citizens from the Kibbutzim. Mm-hmm. If anybody who was cl- considered close to the border, right, went there, was able to leave. So and what they built in these places? They built like schools, like wow. So right. the hotel has a school and school. it has a nursery and it has a preschool. So that they they're trying, you know, to get everybody into some kind of sort of routine. Same for my kids. They also they join the schools in Jerusalem. Right. They join Chabad right. schools who you know, right, really just accepted them so openly and and. Like my son, there was a bus and the bus driver said, you know, he's gladly to come pick him up from our place and take him back and he doesn't mm-hmm. want any money. Just really all these little, little things. That is. Wow. So why, why did your husband have to stay and stay out if, if everyone moved out? Okay. So there were still, there were still citizens here. This mm-hmm. city has about 35,000 citizens and there was still about 5,000 left. Wow. Uh, there were elderly people who didn't want to leave. Mm. And and they needed things, they needed you help. know, medication wow. even, just wow. things that they needed. And then it also became helping the soldiers with whatever they needed. Mm. Because being that Sterot has been bombed for over 20 years, our schools are all bomb shelters. Mm. So our schools became army bases. Oh, wow. Because soldiers are in there, then they're protected. Wow. So... So now it became also working with the soldiers, doing whatever they can to help the soldiers, you know, was going and doing a lot of filming mm-hmm. and, and bringing food to them and, and bringing supplies that people were trying to get in. And if you weren't, you know, a citizen of Stuart, a part of the army, you weren't allowed to drive in here. 
Right. So like they would go out, people from the States that send equipment and things like that, like they would go out and bring it in. Right. You know, wow. whatever our crew, people, whatever, needs to do. whatever wow. was needed, really. Wow. Um, that's incredible. That's, that's what they were really working on. And how, how does he feel the mood is among the soldiers there and, and the people there? Um, they're very united, uh, very focused, and um, their spirits are up. Mm-hmm. That you know, everybody's working really hard to make sure their spirits are up, whatever anybody can do. You know, even when I'm, I'm driving down the street and with the kids and we see soldiers or we see trucks, you know, I always say, open the window and say hi. You know, <laughs> they always wave, you know, that, that extra something. To show that we're behind you. They right. placed soldiers um, in every school, everywhere in the country. Okay, like to stand a guard, mm-hmm. a soldier. In my daughter's preschool in Jerusalem, uh, there was a guard. They knew I saw him walking around with this like serious face. And then I saw a car drive up with, I guess, a mother with a child. And they gave him like a little, like like two chocolates wrapped in, you know, something with a little note. And I guess they gave him a sesame tin, the smile on his face. Mm. I said, it's unbelievable how like these little, little things, you know, so showed funny. appreciation and, and we're sure. proud of you and thank you. So they feel like they're, you know, they're really doing and accomplishing. And it's really all these random people here, like do barbecues for the soldiers, like right. here in Stiverot, it's like, right. you know, wow. like people, uh, but they celebrate and singing and dancing, whatever they can do really to, you know, keep their spirits up. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. Is there, are there any plans for you to be moving back to, for people in Sterile to be moving back? I, I mean, I know you can't even move back. You need to rebuild the house first, but what about, you know, moving back to Sterile or is it still too um, dangerous? It's, it's really not our decision. It's mm-hmm. a government decision. Mm-hmm. And we, honestly, the decision keeps changing. Mm-hmm. They keep extending and now they keep moving. And now they said, no, oh, you're going to come back earlier. Like officially it was extended till the end of February. Now somebody told me, no, it's, uh, was just moved up. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really know, but it's basically mm-hmm. a government decision, mm-hmm. a government, the army decision, I guess it's something that all of them together mm-hmm. need to um, decide. And then mm-hmm. they kind of just say, yes, uh, okay, c- the citizens, you can come back. Right. I can come back if I want, but right. anybody who has children has nothing to do with it because of the schools are, and so of course. people are back. So how do you... Can you give us some feeling of how you're managing on a day-to-day basis? Like what keeps you strong? I mean, I'm sure there's so many things that get us down, you know, here, just things that get me down on a day-to-day basis. And yet you're, you're dealing with the circumstances that are so crazy, so unusual, so out of the ordinary. How do you manage through it all? Like what, what inspires you in your day-to-day? What do you do when you're really feeling down about everything that's all, all around you? Including a house that's no longer there. <laughs> um, so I think that knowing that we have a purpose and um, and learning to sit us and knowing that you know there's a reason for everything, even if we don't understand it, uh-huh. and that we need to believe that God is running the world. And I mm-hmm. keep telling people, you know, after Simpatra, after October seventh, if you didn't realize God was running the world. Then you definitely realize that now, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. just so many things went on simultaneously that you couldn't. You know, you really just have to believe, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what keeps me going. 
And I also think that I didn't really have a lot of time to think because I was on a constant go to make sure my kids were okay. That was like really, I was really focused on that. And then once I was like with my kids, okay, I started with my students and my staff. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of like all around keep making sure that everyone is okay. And everyone is, is, you know, in a good place as best as they can and getting help if they need it. Sure. And then I had wonderful people around me in Jerusalem who just kept helping with whatever they possibly can. Like there's a Chabad Shloshachari Canterman, and she just kept doing things for the people. You know, every Tuesday there was something for kids. And, and for Shabbat, like she said food. And as supper as I got in the beginning, like really things that just helped you because wasn't available to do these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, our friends who said, okay, you know what? You need to come have a cup of coffee with me. Mm-hmm. You have to stop and have you time. Sure. So I think they like made me also get More grounded for sure. Place. Um, wow. But I definitely think that that place where I know that, you know, God is already the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anything else can keep us. Uh, keep really us sane. Yeah. Keep saying, keep us going because there is no other answer to so many things. And when we start to ask questions, they just don't end. Mm-hmm. The dumps. Mm-hmm. You know, why him, not me? Why why they are not here? Of course. We just really can't understand. I mean, you know, my, my eldest son lost many friends at the party. Wow. You know, many people there weren't friends and he knew them. And, and you know, he, he was dealing with that. Like, you know, he lost friends. Right. So and I'm saying, how's he managing? How's he dealing with it? Right. So there were better days and worse days. So worse. we were really, you know, we, we were keeping track. We were, right. You right. know, we were on top of it. Like, what's going on with them? And then one day my mom's like, today, like, just slept a really. And then I said, yeah, of course. It was the 30, it was the shloshik, the 30 days after. You know, it was a hard day. He went, you know, it's just mm-hmm. difficult. Of course. Of course. So uh, I'm saying, like, all these things just help you put things into proportion and understand that we really can't understand anything. Right. right, right. And now we just have to keep praying that uh, right. that, the, that God gives the government the, the wisdom the wisdom to make the right decisions. Right, 100%, for sure. Wow. You, you mentioned your, your students. Are you still dealing with your students? Sure. So you're, you're dealing with them on Zoom? This is students from the Kibbutzim? So these are students from Kibbutzim. Now we have, I wouldn't say better or worse, but kibbutzim that literally went through a holocaust, like Fa'aza and Nachalwos. Sure. You know, they have kibbutzim that are on the other side of Sterot and they weren't really affected. So we Mm -hmm. have all kinds of students by us. But what the biggest problem is, is that they're all over the country. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily learning on Zoom. They've been placed into different schools or Mm -hmm. we've created learning centers in different places. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically trying to keep like my staff that moved back to the area and are able to go to learning centers that are here are physically teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just have to keep track of everybody and see what everybody's mm-hmm. doing. And, right. you know, wow. That just, sounds like a big job too. Yeah, it is. Of course. Yeah. And keeping up with all of your students and how they're doing and emotionally and spiritually everything. Yeah. It's sometimes emotionally, it's really hard. Of course. Like, there are some that I still can't emotionally pull. Like I just, right. I can't, you know. Right. My husband went to the to the Lulaya, this funeral of 
the head and the WhatsApp where I told him was his friend and his son is my student. And, um, and his wife told my husband, like, Rabbi Pizan, you know, my husband answered your phone call half an hour before Simchat Torah, before Shabbos. She said, it, she said it, I don't let him answer anybody's phone calls. But he said, well, my he said, I have to answer him. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and he spoke to him, you know, to wish him a Shabbat Shalom and a Chag Samira. Wow. And, uh, yeah, wow. he was an amazing person. Wow. So sorry. Wow. Thanks. Oi, wow, uh, Sylvia, it's just unbelievable what the what you're going through and the whole situation there. It's like so surreal. It's hard to even wrap our, our head around it. Is there any message that you want to give to people who are listening to this about about anything that you'd like us to know, um, to know keep, or to do or anything? Oh, keep strong, mm-hmm. and uh, and now that God runs the world, and if you ever feel like you want to do something and you don't know what, just pray. Because I think uh, really that's the only thing we can do and make you feel like we're doing something. I mean, people are doing wonderful things. You know, people are sending things and people are coming to Israel to show their support. Everything is great. But, you know, sometimes we, the little people, say, what can we really do? Mm-hmm. And I always say, really, just pray. You know, or if you do know someone in Israel, send them a message. Tell them you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. You know, just Show that little, little something, you know, I don't know, join, join your community, do something together. And uh, really remember that we really need to be together. We need to have aftas, we need to love one another. um, Because that's the only thing that's going to keep us together. Wow, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I would love to hear when this Sudat Hoda'a is going to take place. This this celebration uh, meal ceremony will take place when this is all over and you're back in your home in a beautiful home rebuilt with peace in the in in the in, in Israel and around the world. Well, that will be with Mashiach. Amen. Amen. May it be soon. Thank you Amen. so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. your time and stay strong and. Keep your smile. It's unbelievable. You just have this smile and this calm demeanor about you, even though everything around you is just it's, yeah. a little bit of upheaval. Yeah, total upheaval, total chaos. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Wow. I just finished recording the interview with Sivya Pizem, and her story from beginning to end is truly riveting. So scary at some points. I mean, she was just right outside of where the the terrorists were. Um, Her Chabad house was just a few minute walk from the police station, which was attacked by the terrorists. And really she experienced tremendous miracles throughout. Um, Her life, her story just was incredible. But what I found particularly incredible was here she, her life is basically in turmoil. She's living in Jerusalem. Her husband is staying there in Road in order to help the residents that had to stay, the elderly, the people who could not leave. Um, Her life is completely in turmoil with her rocket that had actually hit her house. And yet her answer to it all is that the way that she stays calm is just realizing that there's a purpose to it all. There's a God that runs the world and there's a purpose to everything that happens. And I think that's a message that we can all take to home in applying to our own lives, that there are so many times where we have questions or we don't understand things, why it's happening this way, why it's not happening that way, why our life seems to be in shambles. 
And so the answer, the answer is something that we, we, we cannot answer. We don't know, but underlying the, uh, the underlying thought that we could have is that there is a purpose to it all, despite the fact that the answers are not with us. And that's something that we can all take to, to home and to realize in our own lives. So if you enjoyed watching these podcasts, I hope that you are subscribed to receive them in your email inbox, because now you can subscribe and receive these podcasts weekly. These podcasts are also streaming on all streaming platforms, so you can get them there if you're driving in the car or walking or doing some something along the way. And if you enjoy, please leave us a comment. We love to hear from you. We love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you enjoy. Tell us what you'd like to see. Thank you again for watching. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories.